Thank you for joining us for this episode. The Inner Conversation is brought to you by the Living Word of Christ Ministries. Our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can watch service live at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. Or if you miss service, you can catch what you missed on our YouTube channel. We hope you enjoy. Spectacular, and it looks like a great day for fishing, amen? Well, those of you that like to fish, I am legitimate. I am legal now. I went to the store and I got myself my fishing license for the year. My wife and, and people that I know, they always say, you know what, you're a fisher of man, fisher of man, but I'm going to prove them wrong. I could be a fisher of fish and men. Amen. Even I didn't say I was going to catch the fish. I go to the local supermarket and get it fresh over there too. So thank God for, for his goodness. Thank God for his provision. And just thank God that we're here for another day. Thank God we're here for another day. Because if we weren't here, then we wouldn't be able, be able to enjoy all the good things that we're able to enjoy today. And it came to reality when I was, uh, I was eating, and I was studying, and I was eating uh, I'll say dinner with my wife. Uh, we went to Flame Broiler. That's one of the favorite places I like to take her because I love the food there. And, you know, I was talking to her and, you know, one thing that I, that I realized and that, you know, we tend to forget in reality at times, you know, just as we're here today, we're all looking at each other. We all know each other. We all ha ha know each other's names. Sometimes we forget it, you know, because we're just human and our minds are just failing us at times, right? Especially at the wrong times, but we all know each other. But we all have a different purpose in our lives this morning, a God-given purpose, whether you have, uh, know what it is or you haven't experienced it yet, but there's a God-given purpose for you. This is the only reason why you were born, because God created you. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like a oops. No, God created you for a reason. And see, we're here for a reason, and that's only for God's given purpose. Now, the one thing is, just as we're here today, we're here temporarily. We're here from the day that we're born to the day that we die. But then there's going to be an eternity. Just the same way that we are today. We're going to be aware. We're going to be acknowledging. But yet we're going to have new bodies. But yet we're going to acknowledge each other. We're going to know each other. Our, our, our spouses, our, our girlfriends, our, our, our friends, we're, we're no longer going to have relationships with them. But we're going to acknowledge them. We're going to know that who they were. And we're going to praise God that they made it to heaven for eternity. And see, in the same way, we're going to live the rest of our lives in eternity. So kind of picture that mentality today, right now, as you're just sitting here. No longer having to deal with that flesh, waking up hungry. I, didn't, I, I skipped breakfast this morning so I could make it to church. I didn't have my full cup of coffee because I drank half of it, but I left it half there. So I'm, I'm kind of grouchy. I'm kind of grumpy. All those things are going to pass. Because when you're in heaven, you're not going to desire any of those things anymore. You're not going to have no need to fulfill the flesh no longer for eternity, for the rest of your lives. And this was a reality check because sometimes we know it, but we lose the heaviness of it. 
We lose the insight of it that this is true reality. It's going to happen one day. It is going to take place one day. And this is the reason why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Because he knew that for the rest of our lives, we have to make a decision today. What am I going to do today? Because tomorrow is not even promised. I can't, I can't even plan my, my lunch date for today because I don't know if I'm going to make it out from the building. God may want to take me. See, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he did it because he was fulfilling his own purpose. As we continue in the book of Matthew chapter 27 this morning, we're going to continue to look at Jesus and his walk. Not only does he talk to talk, but he walks the walk all the way to the cross of the crucifixion to where he gives his life for each and every person that is in this place and our families, our friends. Starting at verse 32, it says, Now as they came out, they found a man named Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gout to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is the king of Jew, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, waging their heads, wagging their heads, saying, and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. Jesus here, here's a moment of time. Here's a moment that he has spoken to his disciples. This is the time that he has prepared his disciples for. It is coming to pass. He is there. And now during this time, even in the process, Jesus on the cross, he's being made fun of and mocked by those who were walking by. How humiliating is that? How humiliating is, is that? If it was us that was there having to be crucified for someone else, how hard would that be to bite our own tongues? How hard would that be not to give a smirk back? How to not to give a hot breath back? How hard would it be not to give our opinion back to that person that was mocking us when we know that this was going to be our final moments here on earth? How hard would that be for us when we have someone in our face telling us that, you know what, if you were such a believer, if you were such this, if you were such that, then where is your faith? If you're this and you're that, so where is this and where is that? How mocking is that? Now we're talking about Christ here. Christ, the one that brought Lazarus out from death, rose him up from dead to life again. The one that was able to cast out demons the one that was able to heal a man with leprosy, the one that was able to heal a man and have him be able to walk again. Christ that can do all things now is on the cross just hanging there, fulfilling his purpose no matter what it had costed him. 
And see, this is what we must have, the type of heart that no matter what it's going to cost us, no matter what we're going to have to face, no matter who may be pointing the finger, laughing and mocking us, that we count the cost every single day. Knowing that when we step out from our doors, heck, even when we wake up in the morning, that no matter what we have to face that day, that we count the cost. And that we count the cost of saying, you know what, Lord, it is worth it. It's worth every cent and it's worth every penny of it. Why? Because this life is only so temporary. This life is only going to last me 60 years, 70 years, 80 years if I'm lucky. Because in all honesty, if we look at our lifespan, we don't, we don't live too long. So we're looking at a very, very temporary life here. Though when, we go our, when we're going through our trials, when we're going through something, it seems like that our lifespan seems to be going on a little bit longer than what we expect. But God has our times made up. He knows when we're going to be born and he knows when we're going to pass. But we must be willing to count the cost and say, you know what? 60 years, 65 years, 70 years, I could do that. I could do that. Because I know for eternity, it's going to come very soon. And I want to be ready and I want to know that, you know what? I don't have to worry in the back of my head that I do everything accordingly. See, God's grace and love is sufficient for us. And so when we have the opportunity, it's up for us to take that opportunity and to do his will. Do we take all the opportunities that God gives us? I don't think we do. We, we fall short. We fall short. We're shy, we get scared, and this and that, but God continues to challenge us, and God get, continues to give us that opportunity, and then we begin to take that opportunity, and now we learn, like, you know what, it's not so bad after all. As we're going to verse 41, it says, Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saves others. He saved others himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled with the same thing. These are the chief priests. These are the teachers of the religious law. These are the teachers of tradition. These are the scribes. These are the religious leaders and elders still seeking and sign until Jesus' death. Here they are, people that are supposed to be teaching about religion, mocking Christ. Mocking Christ, the one that came to bring salvation. And see, this even happens today in the church. You have pastors, you have ministers that mock Christ because they will not speak on his truth. They water it down, they base it down what is the reason for that? Are they scared that they're going to lose members? Are they scared that they're going to lose finances? Are they scared that they're going to do something? Where have our hearts grown cold? Where has this fear came from? We should understand that these days are numbered. The days are, that, that are numbered, they're coming to an end very soon. We don't know how it's going to end. We don't know when it's going to end. But we got to act today as if it could end today. we got to act today as if it's going to end tomorrow. Because tomorrow is not even promised. Well, I have a great retirement plan and I have a great, I have a great future planned out for me. I have a great vacation a year from now. We may not even make it until then. 
We can't go based off how healthy we are. We can't go based on how healthy our checking account balance is. We can't go based off anything. Oh, my relationship with God is good. That does not mean that we can get rested in this. You're going to lose friends over this. You're going to lose family members over this. Why? Because their faith and their trust in God is not going to be the same as yours. It will happen and it does happen. But this is where we have to know that this type of fear we need to overcome. That this type of fear is what, is what stops us from fulfilling what God wants us to do in, within our lives. Why? Because sometimes we're scared that we're going to hurt someone else's feelings. Well, if it's God's word, it's going to hurt. I'll tell you that much. I got hurt plenty of times when I was a sinner. When I was in the world, I got hurt plenty of times. The word of God came in and struck me in my heart. It pierced the hardness of my heart. And it broke me down every single time. And thankfully, by God's given grace, I'm here today. That's by his grace. That's how much that he loved me. He could have taken me out. He could have said, you know what? I'm done with you and your stubbornness. But see, even though he was getting mocked and made fun of, he didn't say anything back to them. He didn't say, just wait, your time will come, and then you'll pay the price. He didn't even say that. Because even those that were mocking him, he still loved. He still had compassion for them. He still loved them. If not, he would have rebuked them right then and there. A different side of Jesus would have came out, and he would have told them something right then and there. See, the thing is, they heard or they seen Jesus perform miracles, but they still did not believe. Acting worldly, cold-hearted, and heartless. Even though they experienced all these things, they still turned their backs to Christ, and they mocked him. Even after experiencing and seeing for themselves, they had this coldness within them that they were able to turn their backs on Christ. This is why it is important to stay on preaching the truth and investing in our future. Investing in our future. When I say investing in our future, I'm talking about teaching our kids, teaching our families about the Word of God. This is how we invest in our future. This is how we know that our future will have some type of hope. Because if we're the last generation that's going to stand for Jesus, well, I'm, I, I don't know what to say. Preach Jesus until I turn blue in the face. And that's all I can do. Pray for those that want the prayer. That's all I can do. But I pray to God that this is not the last generation that stands up in his name. I pray to God that my children one day will stand up and say, you know what? I, got, I learned from what they've been through. My parents have been through. I've learned from what I've seen in the church. And I've seen and how people changed and how people grew and how their faith was challenged. And even though through all the changes going on in their lives, they still stood strong. I want to be just like that. I want to have security. I want to have a hope. I don't want to build my life on a false hope, on a false love that's so temporary, on a jealous love that's not even meant for me. I want to build my hope on Jesus, a hope 
that continues to give love that is jealous for me, that protects me, that keeps me, that encourages me and doesn't suffocate me. That's the type of love that I want. Verse 45 it says, now from the sixth hour and now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, they said, This man is calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirits. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves his resurrect, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Imagine that. Imagine that. Those that were dead, the saints that were believed, the saints that were martyred, those were, that were dead were risen after Jesus' resurrection. There is no other power greater than that. No other power that is greater than that. In John 5, verse 20, John chapter 5, starting at verse 28, it goes on to say, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which who all are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. He rose those that were dead. There is no other power that is greater than that. We have to grasp that. We have to understand that. Once Jesus died and the resurrection took place, the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city. How powerful is that? It's like asking Jesus into our hearts as our personal Lord and Savior. And that day when you felt so much life, that day when you felt so much forgiveness, that day when you felt so much change than what you ever felt before. It's just like that, but much more. Much more than that. And see, it doesn't stop there. It continues to go the power of Christ that can do all things and even raise the dead, heal the sick, make one leg grow and be even with the other. That's from my experience. We are still going to experience more in life, even after we pass away, just as we live today. We have a lot more to experience in life. A lot more. A lot more in a short time. 2021 came and went. It, it was like nothing. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older 
or, or the time is just going that much more quicker. Because I know in my senior year, in high school, my junior year, time flew quick. And then as I got older and I had responsibilities like paying more bills, time got even more quicker. And I turn around and here I am about to be 43, 40-something. I guess that goes too along with the mind, right? We forget how old we are. I don't even know. Heck, my wife don't even know. But here I am, 40-something, and I'm like, man, my life has just has passed me by. It has passed me by. All of a sudden, the cold hurts my bones. And the heat, well, I don't know what the heat does to me, but I know what the cold does to me. My body's being affected. My mind, obviously, is being affected. I used to look out forward and celebrate my birthdays. But heck, it's just another year. But now I'm focusing, well, what did I do this past year? That's more important to me. Did I just lay in bed all day? Did I just tell God that I was going to keep doing it but never did it? Because when I would think that way, and I would see what was accomplished in that past year, that would either encourage me or discourage me. Thinking of how much time I let pass, pass, time passed me by and I didn't do much of anything versus as, I, as time went by, I did as much as I could onto the next year and onto the next year and onto the next year. Verse 54, it says, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Jose's and the mother of Zebedee's son, confessing that he was Christ. The soldiers that were there, that were with him, after they experienced the earthquake, after they experienced that, they admitted that this truly was the Son of God. They were confessing. If Jesus would have acted differently, if Jesus would have acted worldly, these soldiers right here, this centurion, and those that were with him could have believed differently. Could have believed differently. I mean, imagine this. If Jesus was on the cross, and there he is being crucified, and all of a sudden Jesus gets into the flesh, and Jesus starts acting worldly, and Jesus starts cussing out all those that were mocking him. Jesus starts telling them and threatening them and telling them, wait until I come back from the dead. I'm going to pay you all back a visit. I'm going to do this and do that and do this and do that to you. What if Jesus was to talk this way? What kind of impression would he have left on the centurion and those that were watching him, those that were with him? Oh, Jesus is, is, is a demon. Jesus is an evil spirit. Jesus is not even of this world. This, this, and that. Their belief would have been different. 
But because Jesus did as he said and preached as the way he preached and, and, and stayed humbled through the process, that made him more of a believer. And said, you know what, this truly was the Son of God. See, the way that we act and the way that we are, this is the way that we're showing Christ in us. This is why people talk about us and saying, you know, what, they go to church and they act like this? Or they're different or, or something and they know that you go to church and they try to find something on you, just like Jesus? They make fun of you. They try to get you. They try to push those buttons. They try to get you upset. They did it to Jesus. But Jesus kept his composure. Jesus kept his testimony. And this is what made that centurion believe that he truly was the son of God. And if we want people to believe that Jesus is truly our personal Lord and Savior, then we must be just that. We must act just that way. When we're facing something, we must act that way. Why? Because people are paying attention to us that are outside of these walls, that are looking for something new, that are looking for Jesus. They're looking for an answer. If they see us acting differently and we say we have Christ in our lives, they're not going to want that. They're going to be like, man, I, you struggle just as much as me and I'm in the world. And you have Jesus and, and you're struggling more than I am? I don't want that. That sounds like an extra burden. But once we keep our ways and set our eyes on Christ and we act just like Jesus did, then that's when we set the good example for those that are watching. Then they're going to believe and say, you know what? I want that. I want some of that. And this is what draws people in. It's, this is what works. This is what drew me in. It's seeing people that were strong in faith, that were willing to fight no matter what, that still said, you know what, I believe in God, I believe in God, and they lived it out. Their words were as strong as their actions. That's what won me over. Because I was very hard-headed. I was very hard-headed. I was very stubborn. If my wife was here, she would say amen. And today I'm very stubborn and I'm very hard-headed for Jesus. And there's nothing in this world that, that, that I will not stand up to. It doesn't matter through sickness, through health, through challenges. God is the one that's in control of my life. Jesus is my Savior. And no matter what, I want to, I play that Rocky music sometimes in my, in my head. This is what it takes sometimes. We got to be willing to throw some punches and get some punches. Spiritually. Spiritually. We have to know that prayer has a power. That prayer has an impact. And this is something that, that, that we have lost sight of. I was talking, I was talking to Scotty this morning. And this is something that a lot of us lose sight of, is prayer. Prayer. You know, because prayer takes our time. Prayer takes dedication. Prayer, prayer, prayer can be so boring. And, and, and this and that. And that's just the reality of excuses that we have. But I tell you what, when we pray for each other, when we pray for a miracle, prayer does happen and prayer does make change in our lives. 
I believe in miracles. I believe in God moving in mighty ways. I believe in that. But just like the scripture says, many hearts will grow cold. Brother will come against brother. Sister will come against sister, even in the body of Christ. Even in the world, we will grow cold-hearted. Why? Because the love of God it will even grow cold. If we, look at, if we look at the Christians today, if we look at Christianity, if we look at the churches, how many are really giving themselves to God? Or how many are some just going to church just to say, I've been to church and I went? This is the reality of it. See, when we pray for something, you're praying for a miracle. You're praying for change. And you got to pray to believe. Because sometimes it's hard to have faith and it's hard to believe in something that you don't even do. If you don't do something, then you're not going to see anything. That's reality. But when you want something, you're going you're gonna to desire it. You're going to pray for it. You're going to chase it. But God's going to be the one to do the work. Like he's been doing the work. 57, it says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also became, become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb, which he had honed out for in it, out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite of the tomb. Joseph had a love for Christ. He didn't think of how people were going were gonna to see him asking for the body of Christ. He didn't think of, well, if there's people, if there's Jesus haters still around, how they were going to maybe talk about him or whatnot. It's because he still had that love for Christ, even though Christ had been crucified and he was no longer alive physically. He came and he asked for the body. Because this is what's in his heart to do, to give Jesus that promise. And though Jesus was no longer with him physically, the love they had for him did not change. The love that he had for him did not change. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, it says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Joseph could have came and just said, you know what? And started talking bad about Jesus. His actions and whatever could have been differently, but he came and asked for his body out of respect. And I say this because, you know, there's times that we're going to fill Christ with us. We're going, to fill that, that we're going to fill the Spirit of God with us in our walk and everything that we're doing. 
And at those times, it's easy to love him. At those times, it's easy to, to let him do something in your life. It's easy to, to be more loving, everything. Why? Because you feel the Spirit of God with you. Now, there's those times when we don't feel the Spirit of God with us, and we feel all alone. We're starting to feel that depression, the, the anxieties. We're starting to feel like angry and whatnot. But we know in our hearts that God is with us, but we don't feel him. Our love, just like his love, as he went for the body, because he knew Jesus personally, didn't change. Our relationship with God, because of our circumstances changing, doesn't mean that our love for him should change as well. Because when you say you love someone, that means without condition. That means there's no condition. When you love someone, you don't put a condition on that. You love them for who they are. You love them for what they've done. And you love them because they've proven themselves to you. But we put a condition on that love. We put a condition on that love saying, as long as you are helping me, Lord, I will love you. As long as you're with me, Lord, and I'm happy, and my circumstances are good, I will love you. As long as you appease me, Lord, and make my life good, I will love you. But then we allow circumstances to change our hearts, and we allow circumstances to change our minds, and we forget about the love of Christ and that He had it and how He has that for us, and that His love is specifically for you and me. His love loves us differently because He knows the love that we need in order for us to continue to survive, to continue to live, to continue to keep our faith strong. He knows what we need to have that security. Going on verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. See, here they are. It's kind of, it's really funny. The chief priests and the Pharisees, the religious leaders per se, they're coming over here and saying, sir, they're coming to Pilate. And some remember while he was alive, how that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. They were still haunted by the words of Jesus. I mean, t think about this. If they, didn't t if they didn't take him seriously at all, they wouldn't have went to Pilate and said, hey, you know, remember what he had spoken. They wouldn't have cared at all. But here they are, and they're, I'm pretty sure they're on their toes, and they're counting the days right now. But they were still haunted by the words of Jesus. And obviously they had a concern after Jesus, was dying, after Jesus died on the cross. In Mark chapter 13, I like, I like this verse right here because it's very true. And it's crazy how, how the word just sticks with us. In verse 31, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. By no means. Why? Because his words have power. His words have meaning. They're not, they're not words of just compliment. They're not words just to compliment us. They're not words just to... Uh, just to uh, simple words, but the words to get us by in life. 
I bet most of us, if we really dig deep into our hearts this morning, most of us can remember a word that God has spoken to us years back. Years back. And sometimes it even haunts us to this day because we haven't allowed it to take place. We haven't allowed it to take place. We, we kind of try to like ignore it. Or we try to say that, you know what, I'm not in the right place. Or I, I, I'm not ready for that. Or we, we come up with something to kind of like force it off of us so we don't have to face that conviction. But see, if we're feeling that today and we're still feeling that after years ago, that's God convicting you. That's God still saying, I need you. That's God still on you. That's God's love. That's God's confirmation. That's his purpose upon you. And I'm telling you one thing, you will not be able to shake that off. That's there for you. And he's waiting for you. It'll always be there. It'll always be there. Now, if you don't want to do it, guess what? He'll raise someone else to do it. And what a heartache would be felt to see someone else that should have been doing what we should have been doing. But see, when we feel that conviction, it's God's reminding us. Have you ever had that? He tells us to do something and, and God is just reminding us and we're like, ah, that's just me. No, that's God saying, hello, I'm trying to give you a reminder here. I want you to remember the calling that I put on you, the gift that I have instilled in you. And it's crazy how what God has spoken to us years ago still sticks to us today. How his word never leaves us and how it makes an impact. And even in our lives and our walks, the things that we haven't done yet and how it's still kind of like, haunts us and we feel that guilt and we're like one day Lord one day one day I will do it and that day still hasn't come that's day that day that we say that we will do it still hasn't passed yet because we're still waiting on the perfect opportunity and in closing 64 says therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made a tomb secure, made the tomb secure, sealing the stone, sealing, sealing the stone and setting the guard. They were still worried. They were scared. They were anxious of not knowing what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know on how to prevent it. They didn't believe in it, but they were trying to plan ahead. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, There are many plans in a man's heart, and nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. See, we all have many plans within our hearts. And this is just what they were doing. They were making a plan. They were afraid that this was going to come to pass. They were afraid that something was going to happen. So in order to stop this, they were asking Pilate for a guard to stop any further deception from even the disciples coming and still in Jesus' body. They were making their own plans to stop what Christ said what was going to happen. 
and see our plans even today. The plans that we made for ourselves can interfere with what God is wanting to do in our lives. It, it, it truly can. We, we try to plan on, plan on top of plan on top of plan, and we make ourselves very busy to where we put God off to the side. But then when all those plans are gone and all those plans are done, guess what's still there? God's plan. But guess what? We make plans upon plans upon plans again. Well, I'm still busy this month. I'm still busy these couple weeks. I'm still busy. I'm still having a lot to do and, and this, this, and that. And we accomplish those things. But yes, yeah, sometimes it feels like we haven't accomplished a whole lot. If anything, sometimes we feel like we haven't accomplished anything at all. Because in those things, there was really no too much meaning to it. To, will, to what would sustain you and fill you. See, but in God's plan, when we're fulfilling His plan, there's a refill that takes place spiritually. There, there, there's, a, there's a strength that we get from, from God Himself. There's a courage that we get from God Himself. See, when we're doing His work, when we're doing His will, we get rebuilt, we get refreshed, we get refined. We get all the good stuff, all the, the things that we do. You know, we take vitamins, we take supplements, we do all these things to keep ourselves going, motivated, energy, we drink, you know, energy drinks. We do all these things that are not even good for us just to keep us going. But see, God is the one that keeps us going. God is the one that keeps us going no matter what. Even in sickness, God will still keep us going. Even when we're hitting ground bottom and, 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 you know, we're sick, so sick, and no matter what, and we still do God's will, guess what? He still keeps us going, no matter what. And this is the mentality, this is the heart that we should have this morning. Is that that, you know what, no matter what, Lord, no matter in my life, in my plans, in my desires, in my wants, you know, I just want to put you first. Because you're my purpose. You're the one that fills me up. Everything else is so temporary. Everything else is so conditional. Everything else is on a contract. Everything else I have to make payments on. Everything else will break. Everything else will fail. But when it comes to you, Lord, it is everlasting. It will last me for the rest of my days. And it will keep me at night when I'm alone and I'm in need of some type of help. This is where we have to remember that it's his purpose for me and you that will keep us going. Amen. All right, guys. So that'll be it for this episode. We honestly just want to thank everybody for your support. If you or someone you know is looking for a church, our doors are still open. And you can watch on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, weekly on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can watch any service, including the Women's Conference, on our YouTube channel, The Living Word of Christ Ministries. For directions, we are located at 1107 Alta Vista Drive, Biggersfoot, California, 93305. We will see you on the next episode, and God bless you.